0: Chris Pies El Gato. and welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. That, by the way, is Spanish for To Look for Three Feet on the Cat.
1: Hmm. Oh, Elgato. I thought you were, I thought that was sponsorship for El Gato. Oh, my bad. Yes, we're uh, recording
0: in H, HDMI in 1080i. What? Whoa. <laughs> what? <laughs> yep, got our... Uh, what was it? Oh, an, uh, the Aja I-O-H-D. Remember that thing? I do remember the oh, Aja. Wow, man. that's a blast
1: from the past. The Aja. Before yes, all
0: you kids out there had your Elgatos plugged in USB
1: 3. You don't even know a world with 60 interlacing. 60 frames a
0: second. That's right. <laughs> oh, man. The Persona 4 Endurance run. <laughs> Final Cut Pro de-interlacing. All right. This is it's an intense watch
2: producer talk.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> that, by the way, is... Um, an idiomatic expression meaning to make something more complicated than necessary. Uh, one could argue that holding the Monaco Grand Prix was a pretty complicated way uh, of getting a result pretty similar to that of qualifying. But I would argue <laughs> that there were benefits too. Uh, I'm Drew Scanlon. Joining me, Danny O'Dwyer, uh, the other producer.
1: How are you, Danny? I'm doing great. Um, sorry for talking about It's like an AA meeting for people who have been plugging cables into various pieces Ugh. of machinery for most of their lives yeah and um, rob what's it like on the other side where you get to not worry about equipment but just worry about your words and your
2: brain uh well i i worry about it a bit more than i used to unfortunately <laughs> uh and and partly it's like various issues we had with the waypoint setup over the years where suddenly you're learning about like you know, there's a limit to how many cables can go into a thing before you need a much smarter thing and a more powerful thing taking all the signal. And you won't really know what like what that cutoff is until your all your shit just mysteriously stops working uh, in the middle of something. And then in, you in learn way, about the 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 very stark steps that happen between it, like consumer grade stuff and then what you need to do that one little tick above that. In a way, COVID has made us all video producers.
0: It certainly has. Uh, By the way, Rob, your uh, Electro Voice RE20 Dynamic Cardioid Microphone sounding
2: great. Super. I was so worried you were about to be like, uh, your microphone is malfunctioning. We might need to (laughs) duck out and restart this. And could you get the other mic plugged back in? And uh, I was going (laughs) to be very upset. Oh, my gosh. I have production things to talk about in Monaco.
0: This is going to be great. Uh, If you're new to this podcast, a very warm welcome to you. And if you are new to Formula One itself, there's usually not this much discussion of video. Uh, and XLR and frame rates. Uh, But if you want to know more about Formula One, uh, we recommend listening to our preseason primer episode, which assumes no prior F1 knowledge at all. And explains how the sport works and who everybody is. So if you'd like to go back and listen to that, it's episode 216. Also, this show is supported entirely by our audience over at patreon.com shiftf one where every month we release bonus podcasts and videos exclusively for our patrons that cover racing documentaries and films, F1 video games, experiments with other racing series, and a lot of weird things. So if you would like to support the show and get access to all that fun stuff, head over to patreon.com shiftf one or click the link in the show
1: notes. What's going on this month, Danny? yeah t- tomorrow this time tomorrow we will be talking about red line the anime um uh which we have uh have, have, have out of interest if you guys watched it yet i watched it last night
2: i watched it last night i've not had a chance but it is my rob's uh, gonna be fresh th- evening tomorrow yeah nice
1: okay well we'll be talking about that on the the podcast and getting it in just before the end of may I will, <laughs> yes <laughs> technically for pacific time it'll definitely uh-huh. be be in coming in hot um and yeah, we've got some. Uh, I got we got some fun video stuff planned for the summer. I Can't say much more than that, but there'll be some good Media Pass stuff coming for Volume uh, Media Pass patrons. Uh, massive thanks, of course, to all of our incredible title sponsors: Alex Medina, Kickaha of the Art at Team Blackjack, Michael Mays, Gordy's Army at Talking Autos, Olivia Evans, IronStation.dev, TelemetryDeck.com, FTC. Drew Stewart, Bailey Foot, Abdullah Althani, Jason Chadwick, Abraham Getchel, hashtag bunnycrimes, RIP Waypoint, Snigs, Alex Goucher, Max Valtar, Circuit Demon, Troy Stammer, Umberto Roca, William Romph, Irvine Clinical Research, Lachlan the Maddened Man, and of course, Jason Kelly. I love you all so much that I did that with my um horrible sore throat. And if you're watching this on YouTube, you may see me mute the microphone every once in a while to (laughs) blow my nose. Um, uh, that's just because the Dayquil has flooded my brain and it's pouring out of every orifice.
0: Great. I can't wait to get Dayquil Danny's thoughts on, uh, (laughs) Monaco Grand Prix. (laughs) Uh, so let's jump right into it. We have a lot to get to. I would say the race was more entertaining than I was expecting this weekend, but the most exciting event was qualifying in my personal opinion best qualifying this year and speaking of production stuff new camera angles we mentioned last week that there's a new broadcast team and that means new angles including a camera uh helicamera, helicopter
1: helicamera. camera shot helicammer yeah i was trying to figure out if it was a drone or a helicopter and then it did a crazy fast swoop and i was like helicopter and yeah, that must be a little bit terrifying there was what what was the reason they didn't have a chopper before there i don't know was yeah. Does this I, does I it all go back to that? Does it all go back yeah. to that
2: crash in the uh, harbor? Was there oh. a helicopter that crashed? No. So Oh the F one crash? The F crash one crash on in the, the harbor where, where the, the story was that the T V chopper was like fanning the flames and making the recovery thing harder for a car that was in the uh, in the that was burning oh. in the harbor if memory serves. Uh I believe that was kind of overstated or it was one of those accidents where like if this happens at Monaco it's gonna be bad no matter what the helicopter was there but did it meaningfully impede anything who knows but I feel like for a while there was kind of this thing around like Monaco and helicopters maybe I'm just completely inventing this out of like a story that my dad told me about (laughs) back in the day but like this is something I do remember is like looming very large for him uh so I do kind of wonder if there was kind of a weird bad vibe around uh Monaco and helicopter shots but Are they trying to make like, was this all a way to like, you know, make the previous team look bad? Like, we had to get these, we had to get these, (laughs) we had to get these monogast clowns out of here, uh, and do our own production. Uh, and look what we brought the cameras.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, the, the angles, like, I don't know, um, how many people noticed this, but I certainly did because it, it gave, a better picture to me of like where things were in relation to each other because I feel like previously, uh, or maybe it's because like I'd only seen certain angles, but like I, I was like, oh, that's that's how that connects to this part, right? There just seemed to be more of them. The rundown, the, the of the track
2: was, I think, way better yeah. photographed yeah. than it has been in previous years, way better sense of like. That sector of the track, because um, previously I think you've always gotten the shot of them beginning the run down the hill, um, and then the shot of and you st- the shot still is there, but of the really hard turn to make the tunnel where everyone always gets stuck. Um, yeah. But this is like the first year I feel like you had a really good view of like them coming down uh, the street and then like the actual like motion of the corner. It the race looked the race looked sensational also. Monaco mm-hmm. was at what I think is actually its most photogenic, which is when you get the drama of the weather hanging over those mountains and you have that like Gibraltar like oh, yeah. uh, rock jutting out over the harbor. Like to me, that is where Monaco is at its most visually arresting. Um, and indeed, that, uh, you know, the clouds we saw gathering over the hills in the initial shot on the broadcast, you know, you look at it and you're like, this, that, that looks. Uh, that looks like port- that looks like uh, port- portentous, and mm-hmm. indeed it it would turn out to be. But we, you know, guys, I, you know, it's weird. It, it, am I starting to get nostalgic for Monaco because compared to so many of the new street races, it now is comparatively like jam packed with character and like identifiable mm-hmm. like qualities in a way that a lot of like the newer ones don't have. Because like. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's also probably the camera angles, but it's such a challenging course, and watching these these quality runs was really dramatic uh, and yeah. and and really exciting to watch in a way that I think a lot of other quality runs, even a faster circuits like Jeddah, just are not.
1: Yeah, I think the um the the shot of uh we saw multiple cars doing it, but certainly on Verstappen's run, the shot of the first turn into swimming pool you know what I mean where they were touching that barrier on the right on the left side that 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 camera angle felt incredibly intentional to like show just how close they were getting and well and
0: yeah the, the cars uh, it, I think it was actually Verstappen it was Alonzo and Verstappen's runs that I was just like these cars look so fast I think it's it's probably that shot Danny where they're like they're coming right at you and they're moving really quickly yeah um back and forth. I just, yeah, I, I, I commend um, the, the broadcast team for, for uh, you know, giving us that sense of
1: speed. And and we had like a bunch of crashes in the practice sessions as well. So the, it felt, and during and QALY, I believe there was one crash in Q1. I uh, yes. Should we jump into it? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's honestly kind of a
0: perplexing incident. Uh, Sergio Perez way overcooks it into turn one and smacks the wall, bringing out the red flag and taking the driver with arguably the highest chance of beating Verstappen on Sunday out of the running. Um, Second catastrophic breaking incident for him.
2: Now again, like, you know, there was the incident, there was an issue with his brakes last time that happened, but um, it sure looked like he got tilted by the fact that somebody was uh, on pit X coming out of the pits. Yeah. Yeah. I forget who it was. Was it, Gasly or someone Sergeant
0: or,
1: or I think it was a Mill- was oh, Williams. It Williams okay yeah sloppy weekend for Sergio top to bottom like the yeah practice ones were dodgy and then the race was just a bit of a hot mess for him you know but but also like what do you do when you start from the back in Monaco like you need you need some sort of act of God I think yeah, to yeah. to really help yourself out there or, or a crazy uh, advantageous tire swap rain situation or something but he was on a real hot streak I hope this doesn't cool it mm-hmm. off too much for his sake. Well, it's funny because it's a track that he's won before. He's good at street circuits, and it's also a track that I believe Max Verstappen
2: has had never gotten pole even. I think that's yeah, that's correct. Right. They were making a yeah. point of that during the during the broadcast. The other thing that was really um, striking about the just the way qualifying went during the day it was one of those days where the track is rubbering up almost perfectly as the day goes on, and so it really does turn into a. Uh, you want to cut it as fine as you can, type uh, qualifying day, and so you know it's that tends to make the most exciting stuff for us because you see, just everyone has to go out and pull yet another rabbit out of their hat, uh, for in every qualifying session, and that was sort of that was sort of going on through throughout the day. It was uh, it was a lot of fun to watch.
0: Yeah, um, leading to a couple of the teams having uh, the top teams having scary moments in Q1 with signs and Hamilton uh, with his new Mercedes upgrades, leaving it until the last moment to bring themselves out of the drop zone. Um, Hamilton then again does the same thing in Q2. Yeah. Uh, And also in Q2, Norris brushes a corner that uh, slaps him into the wall on the exit. And I don't know if you guys were watching um, the international feed, the Sky broadcast, but uh, Martin Brundle is eerie with how quickly he can identify exactly what has happened. Because all we saw was like the uh, the shot um, of Norris hitting the wall, like his final his final impact, um, and and Brundle knew immediately that he must have clipped the inside of the. Uh, preceding turn, and that right. was exactly
1: what happened. It's I had wild. a weird, I had a weird situation where I watched when I was watching the race on F1 TV live. I think I couldn't get the international feed. Oh really? Yeah, it was. I was like, oh, I don't have. They removed it, or so I just listened to the regular one, and it was absolutely fine. But the between that and them, they are now uploading. It looks like all the, obviously all the highlights now are using the F1 TV. Commentator, right. but they also uploaded uh, Spanish language highlights uh, on YouTube this weekend. Oh yeah, they've, they've been doing that for a bit, I think. Oh, have they? I was, well, yeah, yeah. I was, they, I, with the same thumbnail and everything. It was kind of, I was like, why are there two of these? Yeah, and, the state and media like, oh, of course.
2: email from last week begins to look more prescient. <laughs> uh, in light Gosh. of, like, they're just slowly starting to be like, we've never heard of the Sky broadcasters. <laughs> <laughs> You've always loved the F1 TV crew. <laughs>
0: Uh, Q3 is just as wild because, as you said, Rob, the track evolution is crazy. Uh, this means that lap times are coming down dramatically due to things like more and more rubber being laid down on the track, uh, temperature uh, changes, etc. cetera. Uh, so we get some scrambling here based on when drivers do their runs. So Verstappen, um, with about four and a half minutes to go, sets a relatively pedestrian time, um, which Alonso then smashes— uh, but then Verstappen comes back and tops him by half a tenth. Uh, but then, uh, with still, you know, some minutes to go, who go- goes to the top uh, a minute later but Esteban Ocon, yeah. which was a real shock. Um, so now we get those final runs. Leclerc tops Ocon, taking provisional pull, but Alonso then comes along and goes on top again, this time by two one-hundredths. So now, of course, it's down to Verstappen. Um, and through the first two sectors, he's two tenths off Alonso's time. But because he's an alien, he comes across the line and it's pole position once again by eight hundredths, meaning that he made up three tenths in the last sector of Monaco.
1: Yeah, it's wild. Alonso had a poor sector three. So that is apparently where there was time to be made up but it's still he literally hit the wall twice like verstappen it, did like, yeah verstappen yeah, like it's, it's bizarre. yeah <laughs> he was like throwing the car over the line like like an anime if you will mm. like redline you I know see. just like get over the the line at, at all cost <clears throat> um yeah it was pretty cool i i mean that's what we want to see is like we want we want that version of max verstappen we want the version that you know forces him to drive his socks off and yeah it was Probably the most well-earned pole of the year as a result.
0: Yeah, it was one. Of, it was. It reminded me of um, that one at the end, I think, of last season or the season prior. I think it might have been twenty twenty one actually, where he was on this amazing lap. I think in the Jeddah one, Saudi. You, the one where you yeah, yeah, he, he, he he, it,
2: right? At the yeah, plane. in the last yeah.
0: corner. And I was like, this is this. I this is special. He is <laughs> on some other level here. Um, but this one he came through and there's actually a, a YouTube video, uh, on F1's YouTube channel, um, of a side-by-side comparison of Fernando Alonso and Max Verstappen's, uh, uh, qualifying laps that I will link in the show notes. It was, I um, was
2: so like, oh man, it's is gonna be so cool. Like Fernando's probably gonna, he's going to start on pole and like have a really good chance of winning this race and like to have him rip that. Away at the last second, it, when yeah. it just seemed like there was no way there was at that time to be made up, and I know the Red Bull is going to be fast coming up that straight. That's been one of the Red Bull's real strengths this year. But like Max had had that advantage every single other lap. So like, how much was that really going to move the needle? The ability to recover the time after what had been a pretty seemingly compromised lap um, was 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 truly in, incredible.
0: Yeah. So the grid looks like this: Max Verstappen on top. Fernando Alonso starting second, Esteban Ocon qualified 4th. Uh but Charles Leclerc uh who qualified 3rd was penalized 3 grid places for impeding Lando Norris during qualifying.
2: It was pretty bad, the in-car it, yeah, it was bad. It was in car from Norris in the crash. tunnel. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, Fourth place will start Carlos Sainz, followed by Lewis Hamilton in fifth, Charles Leclerc in sixth, Pierre Gasly seventh, George Russell eighth, Yuki Tsunoda ninth, Lando Norris tenth. Behind them, we've got Oscar Piastri, Nick DeVries, Alex Albon, Lance Stroll, Valtteri Bottas, Logan Sargent, Kevin Magnussen, Nico Hulkenberg, Zhou Guan Yu, and Sergio Perez. Uh,
1: I just want to make a quick little note maybe on the Leclerc incident, right? Um, Obviously, the drivers, when they're on their... Uh, if they're not on their actual lap, their timed lap, they are getting feedback from their engineers or from the pit wall all the time about who's coming up behind them. Is this another incident of Ferrari dropping the ball or am I just like sort of, I got a hammer in my hand and everything's a nail? But, because that's, that's a big, you know, that's a unforced error penalty that was part of a bad weekend for them again.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's not an uncommon thing to happen though. Um, but when you when you, when it's uh when it's a pattern like this
2: um yeah it's it's one of those things where like Leclerc under like under in no circumstances should Leclerc be there right like that's part of it is you know if you're i think it was cool down right where this was this was going on um he just mm-hmm. shouldn't be there in that part of the track given just given the context right the odds of somebody coming up behind you on a hot lap are, are really high but at the same time there is like I would not say Ferrari covered themselves in glory uh, yet again in terms of like the brain trust, uh, the operation of the brain trust uh, on the on the pit wall, and it it may crop up in odd little ways like this too, where there is a bit of obliviousness or just lack of ap- attention to the details uh, during mm. during the race. But honestly, I don't hear enough of the radio calls to know like how often do they get advised of this, right? Like in, in an IndyCar broadcast, you hear the spotter all the time, so you have a really good right. sense that. The drivers almost never go without being at least given a heads up that, like, hey, so and so is behind you. Here is their race condition. Here is their yeah. here is their situation. I, I don't I know think how much it's a lot in the in the F one drivers ears.
1: I think it's a lot. I I've listened to a couple of them just like flicking between the different team radios. I tend to do it during practice and quality a bit. Um, and I forget what it was. It was a, there was an incident a couple of months back where they they had one of these and they they had like a mic'd up. Thing on youtube or something where they showed it and it was pretty constant it was like this is them coming and then such and such is coming and then such and such is coming on their lap um so it just made yeah it made me wonder like should ferrari have like at what stage was he informed it, it, it i ima- i could have imagined a scenario where for instance leclerc wasn't really at fault but couldn't obviously throw his team under the bus that way you know Does you could just like say the ferrari I- boys
2: are hesitating to throw their team under the bus these last two years though well,
1: Carlos signs during the race may have, you know, done the exception that proves that rule.
2: Hmm. We'll get to that. I'm actually, I really yeah. want to like <laughs> see. I want to take the temperature of the room on the old Carlos situation. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, well, let's get to the race, Danny. Do you want to take us through the start? Yeah, I mean, there's not really much to say at this. Uh, um, in terms of the the lads at the front, um, everyone had a good. St- uh, start, I would say, there's you really have to sort of bum. I mean, in a way, you can't overprotect a bad start at Monaco very well. But it is such a short. It's I assume the shortest run up to a turn in the F one calendar. Um, so as it happened, they all got through in the order. At least the front runners did. There did seem to be a bunch of action at the back, though. I was under the impression that Logan Sargent had done well, but then by the time they got down to the, um, the the top of the hill, he seemed to be languishing in the back and we had this very awkward sort of um uh what would you call it like a little traffic bumper cars. jam bumper cars well, this, at the this, top where or- was
2: this because hulkenberg had done that like charge uh like at the start as well and it was a yeah. little bit it was a little bit like random matchmaking esque, i would say in <laughs> in terms of like the the approach to the start yeah he does kind of a, a side
0: swipe into the side of uh in uh sergeant's car. Uh and then stroll
1: yeah trying some real weird moves trying around the outside there which uh, uh I think David Coulthard on my feed said um I'm not saying impo- it's impossible but I've never seen anyone overtake there. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um and then he ended up he he crunched the wall a little bit on that and that sort of yeah. also upset sergeant behind him I think. I
2: feel like Fernando's tutoring does not appear to be having the best results. Right. Just putting that out there, I feel like since since Fernando put his sh- arm on that boy's shoulders and was like, "Let me tell you my ways," uh, <laughs> Stroll has gone from being like uh, you know middling, a bit inconsistent driver to increasingly bad looking. Well, it's not we're not quite like Latifi esque levels here, but uh, there's a lot of bad races unfolding. What? Wait, wait, wait
1: a second, Rob. Are you saying that somebody? Who is Fernando Alonso's teammate suddenly finds themselves in a position where, just for whatever reason, maybe the car or the, the way in which they approach races, it's suddenly being dictated in a different
2: direction by someone else. What is, look, what could be the most, what, what could be a more appropriate uh, dark outcome for the Fernando Alonso team politics game than like it turns into succession? And yes. he dethrones Lance.
1: Exactly. Lawrence Stroll uh, adopts Fernando,
2: the son he should have had. Yeah, the th- son they should have had. I don't know. I, I like. But, but in all seriousness, I don't know what is going on with Lance. But like, it did feel like at the start of the season, maybe it's just the circuits that were running at the start of the season. But like, Lance hmm. was. A noticeable cut below Fernando, but they were both doing well in identical cars, uh, and their performances were comparable. And now it does seem like it is like one thing after another. It's it's always a snowball rolling downhill uh, with Lance, and I don't know what it is, but it's a you know to a degree you're the you're the boss's son, sure, but this is a second or third place car, and they are going to lose. Yeah that money in that position uh, because for the last two or three races, they've had one driver.
0: Yeah. Well, as the cars go up and down the hill signs is getting impatient behind Esteban Ocon. Uh, And as he comes out of the tunnel, tries to go for the inside of that chicane. uh, Ocon covers him off and signs tries to dodge back to the right, but ends
2: up running into the back of Ocon and damaging his own front wing. Yes did I imagine that they'd also told him, "Hey, you need to hurry it up and get past okay did I imagine that they'd literally just told him to i don't put remember a move that on? but I'm not saying it didn't happen, but yeah, I, I don't remember. remember it yeah i I, yeah. I feel like that there was a radio message you heard shortly before that incident that was uh, Ferrari putting the hustle on him, but either way, at the same time, it's Carlos van wheel was not it was not a particularly well judged. it was desperate you know to be to a degree it was like, desperate monaco only allows desperate moves but it wasn't the best judged
0: uh we actually do get some on track passing uh, well i guess worth holding on it for a second because we we do get uh a piece flying off of science's car and we thought that it might uh warrant a black flag um but apparently um it did not they he, he kept going front wing end play on the left side yes the, i think that was the yeah. only uh piece that uh and it that and it off. seemed
1: not to be irritating him too much they they had the pit crew go out at least once i think and he basically waved them off he was like it's it's not so bad we yeah. can do it during the first pit window which was like pretty late it was like 27 or 28 laps i think
0: yeah um we in the 30s. Uh, we Maybe actually do get some some on-track passing, though, mostly in the backfield. Uh, lap 17, Magnuson gets past Sargent on the inside of the corner right before mm-hmm. the hairpin uh, for 15th place. Stroll gets by Sargent a few corners later. Sargent not doing so hot here, uh, followed by Perez, uh, both on the inside in successive corners as they turn yeah. to head back up to the starting line. Um, around lap 33 there's kind of a pass when verstappen gets by the back marker of stroll uh, Perez follows Verstappen <laughs> into the chicane after the tunnel uh, but can't get the move done and has to cut the corner uh, and though he still stays ahead of stroll um, the stewards do note it uh, but I think the time uh, or by the time they decide that Perez should get the place back he had uh, stroll had already retaken Perez is giving it away
2: by other means, I believe. Yes, yes. Uh, yes.
1: Yeah, that was that was a particularly like funny uh, moment of Red Bull shit where they're like, Oh, well Max has to pass under blue, so you just like you just drive right behind his tailpipe and you'll squeak through his well. strategy,
2: man. You said, like i feel like there must be a bylaw about that there has to be <laughs> no, but this is the, and then I mean, like everyone does it whenever the, somebody is carving through the yeah. field like if you're one of the back markers and you have a chance to like tuck in there uh, people will definitely try it um, <laughs> it just didn't it just didn't come off it, and and then you had Perez and his and
1: his engineer doing the whole like
2: oh my god he just left no space <laughs> we saw it, it was like, we, it, was, it
1: we saw it yeah forward. you're right you're right it was like <laughs> such like like when when they do that how can you ever take them we're seriously? all trying to find and the guy might, who did this yeah one hundred percent it was like oh my goodness but yeah how did he he lost the he he did something silly to lose the place again yeah, I don't I'm don't trying remember to remember it what it was but he he did something like he outbraked himself or some oh was that when he ran into the back of um. He ran into the back of. Was it Hulkenberg? Brake checked him. On oh, that. that was later. That was later. Okay, okay. Yeah, I think that might have been it though. Oh, really? It didn't take okay. a long time to uh, to adjudicate that one. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but that was another. There were multiple. Instances oh, you're right.
0: Of- maybe that was lap thirty-five. Um, yeah. That so yeah, that was uh, Perez's wing going under um, Hulkenberg's rear right. Scooped him up. Um, from the onboard, it's pretty clear that Hulkenberg. lost traction over the the curb uh or on on the exit not not a brake test no Um, but nevertheless
1: he stopped in a place that nobody expected it wasn't sergio's fault really but then of course when he did when he ran into the back of him he turned to the right to sort of evade and then at that time hulkenberg drove off and then there was a big gap there on the left and strolled took the position back so yeah
0: um paris Oh, sure. I know Stroll, uh, no, yeah, stroll so took it
1: from Paris. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: so many cars. so um, many cars. Lap 33, also uh, lap 33, the first of the top three, Esteban Ocon pits from third to get off of his medium tires. Uh, it's a slow stop, 4.2 seconds. Yeah. Um, a lot of, a good scramble, a good mix of uh, tire strategies going on at the front of the field, which you always love to see. Mm. Um, a lap later, Sainz is called in against his will. Uh, he thought he was lapping well despite the wing damage, and wanted to make sure he would pass Ocon. Uh, but the team calls him in anyway and opts not to change his front wing, uh, and he rejoins the track in seventh behind Ocon.
1: Yeah, they He's said that they were. They, yeah, they said that they were covering off Hamilton, um, and Science didn't like that excuse either. He sort of shouted them down for that. Um, it did seem particularly remarkable that Ocon had a 4.2 and then signs pits and comes out behind him a couple of laps later. It seems like, I don't know what the strategy was there and waiting or going as long as they did, but it seems like not the right call either direction
2: would have been better, probably, earlier or later. I don't know. Um, yeah. it, it's weird. Like My take on it, like, it's kind of twofold. Like... I think part of me, like it hit me today, that I might just be done with hearing these guys like whine at the fire pit wall over the radio. Like I might just be like fed up, like hearing it constantly. Um, in partly, in part, because it is like, hey, guess what? Like, congrats, you got one boss fired. It's not going to happen again. You know what I mean? Like, if you keep <laughs> acting like this, you you like you play this card, like. And you get the guy at the top fired. That works once, and the ne- you keep playing that card. The next time it comes around, they're going to be looking at you. Um, mm. And so, like, there's that's 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 part of it. At the same time, I am not sure. Like, the Ferrari just like Ferrari strategy does seem like pretty deserving rebuke. Pretty consistently, it sort of seemed like they had put signs on an either fish nor foul strategy. And yeah. so, like, as much as I don't maybe care for the style of it and the fact that it appears to be constant over at Ferrari, to an extent, I also get why those guys are losing their minds over there because it keeps happening. And it seems to keep happening, this race in particular, uh, that with the with the like, 72, 75 second lap uh, that, they, that they run at Monaco, it is way too brisk for the... S- slow uh, machinations of Ferrari for strategy. <laughs> so like it's it's weird. Like it just seems so dysfunctional because the drivers are constantly melting down at the pit wall, um, and the pit wall is not serving them serving them up uh, great strategies. But the other thing that comes like the other thing I guess that triggered a bit of irritation with signs is that he made a lot of mistakes during the race, like across the weekend. It's 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 kind of like. To an extent, it was a little bit in your hands to get it done, too.
0: Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, for most of the race, we've been watching the radar um, and those beautiful shots of the mountains overlooking uh, the municipality, uh, wondering if the rain will arrive and how much and when. And on lap 53, it starts to say, hello. Uh, Everyone's tires are worn by this point, making driving on even a slightly damp track difficult. Uh, But initially, it is only raining in one area. So a lot of drivers and teams just decide to deal with it,
1: um, which is great to watch. It's, It's like the perfect scenario. And I can't remember that happening in Monaco, where lap after lap, it's in one area. We're used to this in Spa, <laughs> yeah. Tiny which track. is the biggest <laughs> track in terms of like overall square footage of how much space there is between, you know, the entire track. We're used to it at Spa, which is the biggest. Monaco is easily the most dense and compressed track on the calendar. And maybe at the start of rain, you'll, you know, it's coming in at sector 2, right? Coming in off the ocean and then it's or coming down from the mountains in sector one, and it's gonna, but it was like multiple laps and it was still only happening in that part of the track. I've yeah. never seen that happen before.
0: Yeah, and so you get uh, an opportunity, or at least teams do, to see what happens when some people go for intermediate tires. Um, and then maybe your strategy is informed by that. So Botas is the first to go on to intermediates, uh, and a few more of the backfield follow. And then Alonso. Gets called in from second place uh, and goes from hard
1: tires to medium. I was so sad. I was so sad. I was like, no, 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 no. What you need to do, surely, is is take the educated risk here and get on. Because, like, worst case scenario, you get a couple of good laps in on everyone else. And best case scenario, hey, guess what? You were the one who went first. Like you'll make up that time. It it seemed to make absolutely yeah. no sense to me that he went to me. You could
2: open a window and know that like whatever was going to happen, the thing that was not going to happen was that it would blow through so quickly that the track <laughs> right. would dry off instantly, and you w- you'd regret being on inters for any, any stage of this. That just didn't seem to be in the cards. This wasn't one of those situations where like, uh, oh, if you're if you're on enters, the track will never be saturated enough to to run them, so you're better off gambling that while everyone is panicking uh, you're, you know, you're just going to have that track dry off instantly for you on the, on the tire and then start raining, raining harder. But the thing that is just wild to me is, you know, again, we, we hear a lot about like they're they have, well, I guess Monaco poses some challenges to the radar at least, because again, you've got the, the huge, the huge hell. But again, like you could, could you not have like looked at the sky? Like there was a TV (laughs) feed showing the weather front moving in. I just don't know. To me, like, that move was so clearly a, oh, you just gave away the race. Because because the other yeah. key context here is Max was overextended on his tires because they had been waiting and waiting right. to see what, what would develop with this front. And they were waiting and waiting to see what uh, what Aston Martin was going to do. But Max had felt pretty much done on his tires for, like, 20 laps. And they had basically t- – like, he had basically all but said, like, please bring me in because this is borderline undrivable. And they just told him – you know, you know the situation. If you do that, you're P two. Uh, so you know, do what you have to do. And he stayed out, but Alonso's tires were wearing in beautifully. His his strategy, I think he was he was on the hards, right? He had like all day to yep. make this decision, uh, and so he had like he, he and his team had the complete initiative in the situation, and yeah. to then gamble because that's what it was. Like this was a low percentage, like hail mary gamble. Where I don't see, 100%. I don't see what the upside of it was. And it was in a situation where you didn't need to gamble. The smart money was always going to be put on enters.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, they, yeah. Sorry, go on. Well, race fans uh, has a, a pretty good article, kind of detailing the, the the timeline here of the decisions, um, and they point out that you know both Alonso and Verstappen uh, have done the same amount of time uh, laps on their on their tires. Verstappen on the medium, Alonso on the hard. But softer tires are better in these kinds of conditions. Um, so they're they're losing time already to verstappen here um and they don't know if the rain is going to stop in a few minutes or uh continue so alonso uh states that driving is getting difficult um and the team also has to think about where in traffic alonso will come out of the pits, which is always impossible for viewers or drivers to, to know. It's only really the team wall that, that, that knows it. Um, so they do decide to pit. And at that moment in time, they thought the rain would be brief. Uh, so I, I'm, what I don't know is why you couldn't have stuck it out a little longer to see how this or where other people go with it. Right? Like maybe not Verstappen. Um, you don't you won't see him do it because he's obviously like you said ahead and uh, you know if he go if he moves first then he's already lost um, but you know if if you don't know and maybe they just thought they knew maybe they just thought like hmm. no nope, we're it's definitely going to clear up um, but then i don't the know radio why, traffic, why would other teams go on
2: the interest the radio traffic's pretty clearly they didn't know like alonzo Seemed unsure about quite what the right strategy was. The pit wall yeah. didn't seem that convinced about any of he it. He kept
0: going like, what's the radar say?
1: What's the forecast? And they were like, I don't know. It'll probably be fine. And nobody else seemed to make that call. That was the thing that was interesting to me was that it seemed like everyone else before and after the was like
2: enters. It was yeah. classic outsmarting yourself stuff, which I think mean yeah. is easier to do when your team's used to scrapping it. Uh, and, like, finding yourself in this position, having, like, had caught a few breaks. And this is, like, a weird position for a team like this. Yeah. Like, historically, this is not a team that is in second place on merit uh at this stage of a race and with the strategy sort of following their way. But the other thing I would say that about this call is, on the one hand, you know, the the window for the decision was was tight. A lot's happening at this moment. But on the other hand, I feel like it was... There were a lot of signs that for about 30 laps that there was going to be rain at some point during this race. Real strong yeah. chance. Because that's why everyone was extending their stints. Everyone knew there was probably rain coming. The, the rain was going to finish with some water on track. So, to an extent, this was the thing you'd been sort of thinking about the entire race uh, as it developed. And they found a way to to throw it away. Um, and what's weird think- is after the, you know they said... Yeah, we didn't throw away. It was, you know, it didn't actually cost us that much. And I'm like, that is, that is a wild statement. That's that is absurd. I I think this maybe doesn't the best argument
1: to make. What I'm about to say during Monaco because Monaco is special and everyone wants to win Monaco. But I do think the further this season goes on, the more we're going to realize that they are not fighting Red Bull. You know what I mean? Like I think they're they're fighting Ferrari and they're mm. fighting maybe Mercedes. If, mercedes if these upgrades come in and i wonder if that's part of it too where like they're going to be so risk conscious against dropping points uh with ferrari than they are chasing red bull shadow
0: yeah i mean to hear them say it that putting him on slick tires was the conservative choice Mm. which is interesting when you're sitting in second right i mean and he was a fair bit ahead i think Uh, from third place, but Verstappen himself was seven or eight seconds ahead. So Red Bull could kind of react to whatever Alonso did. Um, So they, they just go on intermediate, intermediate tires and Alonso has to pit again, uh, the following lap. Um, but so thankfully though, uh, Alonso did have enough margin, uh, so that when he came out on that second, third pit stop, uh, no second pit stop, um, he was still in second place. Uh, Pretty much everyone else goes on intermediate tires. A few cars stay out, like Sainz, who goes off just before the hairpin in a very (laughs) sort of slow-motion slide. Uh, He loses a few places and then rejoins. Um, Russell Russell, also drifts off the track where Sainz did, even on the intermediates, Um, and then gets hit by Sergio Perez as he rejoins.
1: Gets hit by Sergio Perez as a generous towards... Russell, maybe, he just kind of pulled out in front of Sergio Perez and Perez crashed into the back of him. They yeah. were lucky. He obviously got the penalty for it but... Uh, Russell did, yeah. Yeah, Perez was lucky not to damage his, his front wing any worse than he already had in that race.
2: My note for lap 59 Uh, and MK insisted I write this down because I just sort of blurted <laughs> it Uh, staring at the TV. I just said "I caramba, we're slopping it up. Um... <laughs> <laughs> And I do feel that was the, that's what was unfolding at this stage of the race was it was there were tricky conditions, <laughs> but also uh, very few people were really putting their best foot forward uh, no. at this at the stage of the race. Russell. So it's, it was funny seeing like there is a Russell hate brigade out there and it mm. starts to come into effect. Uh, so he has the miscue. That sends him into, you know, that that train of cars that ended up in that runoff area. <laughs> he's assessed the penalty for just kind of reversing into a live track, and uh, you know, so he gets the five second penalty. And then he starts workshopping some stuff with Mercedes over the radio because <laughs> <laughs> he's behind weird. Hamilton, and he's like, you know, maybe, uh, you know. Uh, Lewis could let me through, so I could put some uh, distance between me and uh, Leclerc. And because uh, I got this five second penalty from somewhere, I don't, I don't right. Know. Yeah, and like you know, I, you know, is Lewis making progress on Ocon? I don't know. It, that may, maybe I could have a, have a little shot at him. And there are there, it it does seem there are a lot of folks because because <laughs> Russell does this a lot. Russell's very quick to get on the, get on the radio and just be like.
1: Hey, guys. what if we swap positions? I got an idea. I got a crazy idea. <laughs> what if, uh,
2: what if you just had Lewis let me buy? But the thing is, I genuinely do believe he's also trying to like figure out. Like, I think he's trying to do the Alonzo thing a little bit. Of he is seeing ways that he like the the team result can be improved. He's always convinced that like if he if he's allowed past, he can make up ground that Hamilton is not. Uh, very speculative, but he's convinced of it. Um, but there are a lot of folks, it does seem, and, I, and I, I see where it is coming from, where there's a little sense that there's a little unctuousness to this guy. There's a little bit of a uh, ass kisser who's constantly just kind of asking for something for nothing. Just uh, just wants a little bit of special treatment. Just a little, little bit of an opportunity. A favorable position uh, at the company. And a lot of people... View Toto getting on the radio as him kind of telling Russell off. I didn't see it that way. It seemed like Toto got on the radio because, like, Russell seemed to be tilting, trying to figure out, like, how can I fix my mistake? And Toto's response was, like, you can do that by shutting up and focusing and driving. Like, (laughs) don't don't try to drive loose. Don't don't overcomplicate this. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Especially because Leclerc turned out, and I'm not sure that, you know, Russell, I certainly thought that Leclerc was going to be more of a threat uh, that stage of the race. He just wasn't. He fell, he just fell away from the Mercedes uh, completely, um, which was not what you expected to see. But you know, I think Russell really thought that five second penalty with that stage of the race was going to be the kiss of death, and the Ferrari was just like going backwards.
0: Yeah, uh, some really fun pandemonium though in the in the wet. Ferrari is late to get onto their intermediate tires. Uh, Perez brushes the wall and nearly loses it. That mm. must have been a code brown.
1: Icaramba, uh, slumping uh,
0: yeah. up. <laughs> uh, Stroll hits the wall, has to retire. Uh, Yuki Sonoda having trouble can with
1: brakes. Can we just, can we just have a, a a nice moment and just appreciate Yuki Tsunoda, who I feel like <laughs> is whenever Monaco comes around. He's like a cypher for the viewer yeah. of what it would be like if one of us, almost in a sort of a waking nightmare scenario, <laughs> found ourselves responsible for driving one of these cars around Monaco. He is so uncomfortable driving here. He absolutely hates it. And then they're like, uh, Yuki, we think we can get a couple of more seconds out of it. And he's like, ah! Are you trying <laughs> to crash me? <laughs> He hates it. He yeah. absolutely hates it. And you can see it, like you can see it with Logan's Argent, right? Where You know, it must be terrifying. I can't imagine, especially in these cars, you can't see anything out of them. And that's why he's like going backwards. But like poor Yuki is just like, it's like, it's like watching somebody having like uh, the sort of a, uh, what do you call those dreams where you can really re- feel like you're there, like a lucid dream? Mm-hmm. He's having like a lucid dream, and he's also naked in and, the car. And his brakes don't and work. And he's I, forgotten his this. This is way. a
0: dream I have had
1: where my <laughs> brakes don't work, and it's terrifying. Right? Yeah. Imagine you push in Monaco. It. Nothing happens.
2: Yeah. This is like that. YouTube. That is so. And this is the other part. I think this is <laughs> like the the nightmare of these cars is that they only perform well in a certain band. And so, if the driver loses trust in the brakes, yeah. they will start coming off the brakes. The brakes will not achieve temperature. The brakes will get worse. The tires it's, will yes, get it's, worse. And it's like
1: riding like a wild
2: horse. Yeah. Like if you if you do not keep us, if you cannot control it, it is going to kill you. <laughs> yeah, but like I don't know. Maybe maybe those brakes do suck. Um, I would. Not it does not feel like that car has been particularly good. Uh, this mm. this season. No. If you If you go with the assumption that. You know, Yuki is kind of the the, the seasoned hand at driving that car, uh, and DeVries is coming to grips with it. N- like, neither has done great. Uh, Yuki's gotten the most out of the car, but, yeah, you know, when people are like, ah, oh, DeVries made this amateurish mistake, well, it was an amateurish mistake under braking. Maybe their brakes actually do kind of suck uh, mm. in, the, in the clinch, but... Yeah, it doesn't seem like an easy it doesn't seem like an easy car to drive. And it's gotta be horrible at Monaco when they're like, hey, just push a little harder. And the thing you don't trust is the brake. And this is a this is a track where waiting for you at the end of every fast run is a guardrail.
0: Yeah, well, speaking of DeVries, he's uh, going the wrong way. Um, we get a bona fide pass on the main straight, Norris on DeVries for ninth, and then Piastri following at the same place uh, on the following lap. But Verstappen hangs on to finish first at the Monaco Grand Prix. His first win here in Formula One. Fernando Alonso coming home in second. And then Esteban Ocon rounding out
1: the podium. His first podium in a while as well. Yeah. Uh, In
0: fourth, Lewis Hamilton also scoring the (laughs) fastest lap, earning himself one more championship point. Uh, George Russell in fifth. Uh, Still ahead of Charles Leclerc after that five-second penalty. Um, Charles Leclerc comes home in sixth, followed by Pierre Gasly, Carlos Sainz down in eighth, Lando Norris, and then Oscar Piastri, second of the McLarens, last of the points-paying positions. Behind them, we've got Valtteri Bottas, Nick DeVries, Joe Guanyu, Alex Albon, Yuki Tsunoda, Tsunoda, Sergio Perez, Nico Hulkenberg received a uh, 10-second time penalty for failing to serve a penalty during a pit stop. Whoops. Um, Logan Sargent, uh, he also received a five-second penalty for speeding in the pit lane, and then the two DNFs of Kevin Magnuson and Lance Stroll. And that when came when did Mago off? I don't remember. Since lap seventy, they saying. may have just retired. Yeah, it's been... I think it was
1: really quick. Um, that's Monaco. It's Monaco. What did I say last week? You weren't here, Rob. I was saying to Drew, Monaco. It's a, it's you sort of to your point about the street circuits. We sort of we don't want it to go away, but it can be a boring race unless rain, weather, or crash, like a crash at the wrong time that brings in a red flag or a safety car and throws people off their tire strategy, or weather. And this race was fairly by the ni- numbers up until the point where they thought there might be weather. Or there it was a big shadow, and then eventually the rain happened, and it was crazy. And then once that all finished, it was pretty by the numbers again. So I'll just say thank you, Precipitation, for making <laughs> this a worthwhile race to watch.
0: Well, shall we take it to the news? Let's do it. Rob Zachney, why don't you lead us up here with probably the biggest story this week?
2: Yeah, uh, so this was a, a pre-Monaco uh, announcement, but Aston Martin has, a, has an engine supplier, uh, and that is going to be Honda for the 2020 Whoa. season, uh, with the with the new regulations rolling out. Um, so like you know, you imagine this this is one of the big elements that is that was holding back Aston Martin uh, in terms of like they were a customer team as far as engines go. They didn't have a uh, they did not have a partner in that sense uh, that was sort of designing bespoke power units for them. Uh, that will no longer be the case, and you know, with some with some rocky patches, uh, Honda proved that they can build can can build the hell out of an F one engine. They're ultimately responsible for in in to, you know, to to a large degree the Red Bull turnaround. Um, yeah. Speaking of, I think it was funny in the wake of this announcement how much, um, I don't know if buyer's remorse is the right word, but a lot of the Red Bull folks seem genuinely put out by how all this unfolded because they were very happy with the Honda partnership. Um, They really felt like they had a, you know, coming out of uh, sort of the dysfunction of the Renault relationship. Uh, They they really did feel like they had a engine partner uh, that they liked working with that they could rely on But Honda corporate was going through one of its phases of we want to divest ourselves of Formula One. Um, I feel like Dieter Rinkin had a piece about this like two years ago about Honda always does this, that they are always like all in on F1. And then like two years later, the corporate board gets cold feet and they're like, we don't, you know, motor racing. No one's going to care about this in the future. We need to get out of motor racing and focus on the things people care about. Uh, Honda outdoors. lawnmowers, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> and so like their uh, their performance engines division was kind of hostage to this uh, as as the company was preparing to divest themselves of this. And so Red Bull, you know, both Max and Horner talked about this uh, in the wake of this announcement. They didn't start Red Bull Powertrains because they wanted to do that. They started yeah. it because Honda was leaving. And they, they they didn't try. They did not want to find themselves uh, at the mercy of another random partner and going back to you know the the sort of issues they've had in the past. And so for then Honda having Red Bull having gone all this expense and having like lost their deal with Honda effectively for Honda to do the U turn come back and say and we're <laughs> we're going to be all in on making this generation funny. of F1 engines uh seems to have genuinely upset the Red Bull people. Uh in part because again like they, you know, they liked the they they liked the situation they had. Uh and you know, I would too. Uh standing up new things not easy. An F1 power an F1 power unit program maybe the hardest thing. Yeah. It's good for f one though right because it it means that we do have more
1: powertrain suppliers yes. than we had a couple of years ago so which is one of the biggest problems you know you were talking a lot about last year rob with with the worry that there was there was more people leaving than than coming in because they're just so difficult to make but yeah you can imagine like even just from a purely logistical standpoint it must have been such an amazing amount of work for Red Bull to pull together that um department to then have on to just do do a turn of face um or in a bad turn is is pretty pretty wild um so yeah i mean it it should shuffle the deck again probably once the once once they're in with with uh aston
0: well uh speaking of dita rinkin digging up dirt and team partnerships what's this next oh, yeah. one rob
2: yeah so um Alpha romeo you know cause, because because Alpha romeo uh, was sort of the sponsor and partner of the Sauber team that is now going to turn into the Audi team. Uh, Alfa Romeo found themselves without a team, and now they now they have uh they, they have elected to uh, become sponsor with uh, Haas, which makes all the sense in the world. Haas is another Ferrari customer team, uh, and so Haas is going to be. Uh, carrying Alfa Romeo uh, sponsorship uh, starting at the end of the year. Uh, so move, moving forward for for next year. Uh, so says Mister Rankin. This is not confirmed yet. But. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's that's true. That's I mean, he could knows. like he could be wrong. He was also out there stirring the pot on the Hamilton uh, Ferrari rumors. Um, mm-hmm. But. You know, in in general, he's someone who seems to again have a have a decent sense of 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 what's going on. It makes a lot of sense. Um, it would be, I think, Haas would be thrilled uh, to, to have a major uh, performance auto manufacturer uh, sponsoring them, and Alfa Romeo certainly uh, would would like to stay in the sport, um, mm. you know, in, in some capacity. Hmm.
0: Well, we shall see. Um, a couple of quick hits here. Uh, I came across an article on The Athletic. Apparently, Charlotte Clare makes music now. He has it's released horrific. two songs on Spotify so far, and they have a combined like six million downloads already.
1: Um, the, so he's earned, he's earned like 50 cents then. Is that yeah. right? Okay, yeah. Cool. He's
0: rich. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Did you guys listen to these? They sound they're like melancholic uh, piano are, pieces. Wait,
1: are, are those the actual names of the track?
0: Yes. Yeah, so track one is called Aus two three, okay, and track two is called Mia two three. That's so Australia that, and Miami twenty twenty three. The internal oh, th- Ferrari code okay. names, apparently, for how they uh,
1: notate their races. Wow, <laughs> cryptic. No uh-huh. one will ever crack that one. Yep. Um, so did he make them during those races? Is that I think he released them after these races. I do love the idea that even race drivers can't come up with titles for their songs that aren't <laughs> race related. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah. they're just like they're just. I have one mode. Exactly. Yeah, that's it. I have not listened to them. What do they sound like? They sound like
0: um, the background music for a jewelry commercial. Okay. Very good. Uh, he says. Um, Hans Zimmer is probably one of my favorites and Coldplay I love when
1: asked about his Okay, so it's, it's kind of like Hans Zimmer meets Coldplay. Got yep. it.
0: <laughs> yep. Great. Uh, the article also states that Hamilton, of course, uh, maybe if you've been following him, uh, he also sometimes posts uh, that he's working on some music. Um, he has not released any publicly. However, this article reminded me that in 2018, he appeared on a Christina Aguilera song called Pipe, under the name <laughs> XDNA, uh, what? Wait, what? and he uh, he sang the bridge. I will link this in the show notes if you'd like to listen. It's uh, he comes in at uh, two minutes forty seconds, and it was only confirmed it was him two years later. He
1: sings in it. Yeah. Okay. I, wait, the song is called. Excuse me. The, the song, song is-, is called Pipe. The song is called Pipe. Yes. His what pseudonym is-, is XDNA, or uh, I'm sorry, XNDA. X. Non-disclosure agreement. That's right. The song is this. Do is the song is called Pipe? Is it
0: about, What's it about? <laughs> um, I don't. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I just. Uh, actually, I cool. think the the lyrics here. Yeah. What are the lyrics? What did he What does he say?
1: Does he say like? Is it like Charlie Clare? You just can't not say like. You know. Well, he's not supposed a to be Lewis Hamilton here. <laughs> okay. He's, he's XDA He's XNDA.
0: He's XNDA.
1: Um I'm just shocked that Christina Aguilera released the song in 2018. Yeah, I know. Uh, i had no idea.
0: You already know what you came here for, lay it down now. You know is that it? I'm grown and I'm I'm about it. Uh and I know what to do with your body.
1: <laughs> and the song is called Pipe. <laughs> cool. Uh
0: I get loud when you put that pipe down, pipe down.
1: Wow. Pipe down. Oh, I get it. It's a double entendre. Pipe down. When you put that pipe, man, music's
0: great. I think he sounds pretty good. I mean, he's very auto-tuned, but um, I don't know. He's got a nice uh,
2: timbre.
1: Who? I wish. I wish. Wasn't there another F one driver who
2: was a DJ? Was it? Uh, Was it Jamie Algasari? I'm gonna.
1: No, I'm gonna say it was uh. I was gonna uh, say uh, Villeneuve. I was about to say
2: Villeneuve. Yeah. That makes tr- like That makes all like a sense real in the int- world, too. Like, I mean, that yeah. guy, like, no, you, I would totally believe that guy. You open his garage <laughs> and it's like just a, tr- a mountain of synths. And he's like, I, I don't I play them, I just maintain them. Uh, yeah. Literally, yeah. Literally, you said
1: F one DJ, and both myself and Drew's brains imagined somebody, and it was exactly Jacques Villeneuve. Yeah. So I don't know if it is, but <laughs> but they it look like probably Jack it. Him, That's yeah. like the Occam's razor of yeah. that.
2: I'll say this too, like the uh, Leclerc music, it, it there is a jewelry commercial quality to it, but also uh, like Oscar bait historical drama, uh, mm. like that. Mm-hmm. Like, so kind of like can... Coldplay meets. Uh, you can easily imagine a, like Le, like Leclerc's music playing over like Atonement or something like that. Um, yeah, yeah. Look, I, I I love it. I think you know if there is one thing, um, I genuinely think probably sucks about being an F one driver. It is that it feels like so much of it makes you into being a person who's only really allowed to be into one thing and do one thing. Like I know mm. that they like travel the world. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're, again, they're very well off people, but Boo-hoo. to an extent <laughs> it is also a, uh, you know, this is the thing we have you putting all your effort into all the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. and it, you know, sort of all, increasingly all consuming. They did a little uh, Leclerc on Leclerc
1: interview uh, with his brother, um, and uh, I think he said he'd be an architect if he wasn't uh, a race driver, which I found interesting because usually they they all say like I don't know, fashion or something, and it's like you just say that because that's who sponsors you. That's the that's the other job you do. I'd be a because watch. that's where the money. Yeah, exactly. I'd be a
2: watch. I'd be a perfume. <laughs> yeah. Maybe um, they, maybe they all think they understand it too. Maybe they all think they get it because they're at all like the show openings and such. And they're yeah, like, right. "Yeah, I know all about that." Just big Derek Zoolander energy. <laughs> yeah, uh,
0: I'm I'm fully on board with. Uh, I, I'm a hobby enabler, so I yeah. Uh, Godspeed, Charlie Claire. He's only two songs into his career, so let's give him the benefit of the That's doubt. One more than keep him coming, than King.
1: X-NDA That's true. That's true.
0: Pipe. Um. Danny, the Indy 500, Rob, you have not watched the Indy 500, so I we'll know. try to keep it spoiler free, I but, know. uh, what, everyone,
1: I mean, everyone should go watch the Indy 500. Yeah. I, so we talked about the triple crown last week and we made the point again that Monaco and Indianapolis happened at the same time on the same Sunday. And it's also like, go back and look, listen to our primer. Absolutely. You got it. You got to go, you got to pick your poison or whatever. Um, I did not watch the entirety of the Indy 500. I watched the extended highlights. I watched all of it, man. Boy, oh boy. That was a race. It was a, ra- it was a race, and then there was a crash. Uh, what we say? Three quarters of the way through, let's say. And it seemed to maybe be a bit of a downer on events. It was a, a wayward wheel that almost. Oh, God. That was that's scary. Tragic. Oh, my Whew. God. If that missed the grandstands by, I don't know, maybe 50, 100 feet or something, and would absolutely have. have Cause that serious thing damage. departs. I'm not sure it has landed yet. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it was, they didn't show where it landed on the replays for a while. And I was like, oh, it, if that landed in the crowd, that probably killed like five people. That was, that was, it was almost like the other car cut its tether. But anyway, I don't want to talk about the Indy 500, and talk about crashes, but it it did seem like a bit of a close call or, or, or they they got away with that one. Um, but the but, racing's great too. Oh my God. And that final quarter of the race, like, yeah, there was a couple of restarts there, maybe one that was controversial, but. I think, I think it was a fantastic ending. I think okay, it came it came down to a couple of people at the end. There was a couple of people who could have won, and I think oh the ending I'm sorry. and everything. I know was who won. Wonderful.
2: <laughs> you don't know who because, won. Okay, well, don't say it because other no, other people I, because might not the thing know. is. So I will just say this, this is my like two minutes of peacock anger. Okay. Whoa. Excuse little, me. Little quirk of peacock. <laughs> if you are watching, talk about your pipe. Uh, <laughs> if you are watching it on delay. Uh That's as I was. I took a little break after Monaco. I took a little nap. I, you know, start watching it. The minute oh, no. the broadcast ends, if you're watching on delay, it's just done. It hard cuts. You're you're oh, kicked. Oh no. And then I was like, okay, well, the VOD will be up surely momentarily. And in the place where the VOD would be Indy five hundred race replay, cool. Click on it. It's the twenty twenty two race. <laughs> I think Someone on the back end like tossed the wrong VOD into like a carousel and like the VOD didn't appear until like today for me. Oh no, that's terrible. And this is the one time I haven't like done a redundancy where it's like, I'll get it off YouTube too. I didn't, I didn't take, I didn't store it to YouTube. Uh, so I was just like out of luck. Um, that's a bomber. That's a, oh, that's but then as I'm looking for it. They sure got the highlights up real quick, including the mm-hmm. uh, you know winners' circle celebration. Um, yeah, I've, good celebrations too. Everything about
1: the ending I thought was pretty, pretty great. It was a great spectacle. And if you've never, I feel like if you've never watched Indy before, go watch the highlights of this. I think it's a good. I'll link them. Example of just how fun that race can be, especially if you've never watched oval racing and you just think it's the most boring thing. I yeah. think there was a lot of incidents that happened that showed drafting and the. Different lanes and all that sort of stuff. Like there was some like four or five car wide. Situ- like it was. Yeah. It was real hairy a bunch of times, and it, it you know, and when you see those grandstands with four hundred thousand people, it was a terrific race. So yeah, very, very um, indie. I don't know, indie man. The indies like slowly it's creeping up on Formula One for me because these F one races are getting a little bit rose, and the uh, indie stuffs. Yeah, Jordan I mean, that? Like, we're we're getting long here, so we should get to Spain. But oh yeah, um, sorry. yeah, I think it's you know, I,
0: my second one used to be MotoGP, and now that they've got sprint races, I haven't checked in on this season. But I know they have sprint races now, and honestly, that seems like too much racing for me. I think right, I just yeah. I just want one where I can just watch the qualifying <laughs> and the or maybe just the race, and that's it. Uh, so that's that's what I'm looking for. But Spain,
1: Danny. Spain, yes, we're off to Circuit the Barcelona Catalunya. Um, uh, a circuit that many of the drivers are familiar with, not only because it is traditionally where pre-season testing was on, but that was not the case this year, right? It was all in, didn't all of it happen in Bahrain? Bahrain, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but also, it's a, it's, it's, it's a constant dot on the uh, calendar for other racing series. Um, it's probably one of the most race tracks in all race. I mean, Moto GPs here, like there's so much that goes on. Um, at this track and uh, the reason is that it's a really great track, it's got a lot going for it. In terms of distance, it's 2.89 miles, that's 4.65 kilometers, There's 66 laps around this one. Um, It was built in 1990, 1991, uh, coming out of the uh, Barcelona uh, Olympics Fund for the 1992 Olympics, and it had its first race in F1 in 1991. Uh, I alluded to it being a great track. The reason why, um, I think there's a couple of different reasons why, but it has to do a lot with the topographical change on this track and the high and low speed corners. So there's lots of interesting corners on this one. There's lots of high speed turns that you can take at high speed because you're going up a hill, like really interesting cambers on a lot of these turns, a couple of low speed, uh, downward slopes that require you to be more technical. Uh, the final sector of the lap was completely redone, uh, a while back now. Um, uh, and it was reprofiled i believe it was four seasons ago um it's quite a technical part of the uh, track and it's got a lot of low speed downhill parts so there's just like a lot of like fun different challenges for the drivers to deal with all over it. there's the multi apex turn 3 um uh, there's a couple of turns uh turn 7 8 and 9 which you basically take flat out uphill regaining speed in sector 2 that they really like as well um and there's two DRS zones both of which have ample opportunity for overtaking. Uh, the first one is shorter, uh, or sorry, the, I guess I should say the first one is the start-finish straight, which is the longer of the two, going into turn one. Turn one isn't the slowest corner in the world, though, so it's not like you can just outbreak somebody there. You do try and collect as much uh, pace into that as possible. The other DRS zone is also good for overtaking. Um, well, we'll see, I guess. I, with these with the dirty air on these this year's cars, maybe... It'll be a problem actually. We'll have to wait and see, but hopefully it's not because um, it's a it's a shorter DRS zone, but the braking into turn ten can be quite heavy. So you can uh, sort of outbreak people into that one uh, to get the position if you want, and you're pretty much covered off in sector three. So it's a great track. Uh, drivers love it. Uh, fans love it, and um, it does tend to produce decent races so so naturally um, we're working on getting
2: rid of it and replacing it with a barcelona street circuit
1: exactly yeah we're just going <laughs> to drive around the streets of barcelona um yeah i don't know yeah i i, I have nothing really bad. this i'm not saying it's always a guilt you know absolute slam dunk for a good race but i think barcelona often does produce good races and if nothing else the drivers really like driving on it and that often uh, helps make a fun race weekend
0: Well, maybe contributing to the fun race weekend, Danny, is the weather. It looks to be just balmy, 73 degrees on qualifying day uh, Fahrenheit, or 23 Celsius. Uh, Wind, 18 kilometers an hour, or 11 miles an hour out of the southeast. But precipitation, the one everyone wants to know about, just before qualifying, it's 50%. And then drops to 12 uh, for the hour that it starts, which is 4 p.m. local on race day. It uh, looks like rain, or I'm sorry, uh, temperature and wind are the same. Precipitation, 70%.
1: Oh, boy. That's interesting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, this would be a fun track with rain. There's a lot of uh, gravel you don't want to end up in here. A lot of you got beached kind of stuff. Um, but the tracks are wide. So, you know, it's not like Monaco where you, you're being super, super conservative. Um, you got a little bit of room to spin, but... Ooh, that's fun. I'm trying to remember a wet Barcelona. My head. Nothing's. Is come that to come to was that where? Was
0: Formula E. I remember some farcical don't think. Formula E race where it rained and then like everyone went out with zero was that Rome? batteries. Oh, I remember that. Am I, <laughs> yeah, I yes. conflating two things? <laughs> I, uh, I, yeah, I don't remember where that was. Um, but yeah, heading into the, the, the Spanish Grand Prix, we've got uh, the driver lineup looking like this. Max Verstappen on top with 144 points. Sergio Perez behind him with 105. The gap widening with uh, Sergio finishing with zero points. Uh, Fernando Alonso in third with 93 points. That's not very far away from Perez. Mm. Uh, Lewis Hamilton, Sir Lewis Hamilton, in fourth place with 69 <laughs> points. Sir XNDA. <laughs> That's right. Uh, George Russell in fifth with 50 points. Carlos Sainz in sixth with 48. Charles Leclerc has 42 Lance Stroll has 27 in 8th place. Uh, Esteban O'Connor is in ninth with 21. And Pierre Gasly in 10th with 14. Then we've got Lando Norris with 12. Nico Hulkenberg with 6. Oscar Piastri with 5. Valtteri Bottas with 4. A three-way tie in 15th place between Zhou Guan Yu, Yuki Tsunoda, and Kevin Magnussen. Uh, Alex Alban is in 18th with 1 point, And then Nick DeVries and Logan Sargent have 0. In the Constructor Standings, Bull Racing is on top with 249 points to Aston Martin's 120. Mercedes has 119 in third place. Hmm. Ferrari is in fourth with 90 points. Alpine's in fifth. Remember them? Uh, with 35 <laughs> points. Uh, no, that's unfair. They just got a podium. Um, McLaren is in sixth with 17. Gene Austin team have eight points in seventh place. Alfa Romeo's in eighth with six points. Alfa Tauri's in ninth with two. And Williams in 10th with one. If you would like to join the leaderboards yourself, you can join our fantasy league using the link in the show notes. Here is the podium from Monaco. It is a four way tie for third place between Boys Night in DDW 727, Lando in Limbo, and Buckfast 0.0%. <laughs> Uh, in second place, we've got Formula J, and in first from Monaco, Max the Corgi.
1: Uh, do they overall... really do a zero percent buck fast? <laughs> that seems completely <laughs> insane to me. I'm I'm getting zero hits on the internet for that. That is. I a think it's fantasy. just a great team name. It's a great team name.
0: Um, overall, though, third place, a name for my team. Great. Uh, second place, Oberhof Racing, mm. and number one. With the race name TBD, until I'm more clever. Okay, cool. You've still got some races to figure it out. Yeah, a lot. Uh, You can also send us an email at shiftofonepodcast at gmail.com or f1.cool slash emails. You can also hit us up on the socials using the links in the show notes. That's us around the internet. Should we take it around the world of racing?
1: Let's race around the world. Hey, hey,
2: hey. Yeah.
0: We have so much racing going on this weekend. It is the season for it. The World Rally Championship is in Alghero, province of Sassari, Italy, for the Rally Italia, Sardinia. Rally Italia. Uh, The World Superbike Championship is at Misano World Circuit, Marco Simoncelli, for the Emilia Romana round. Uh, Formula E is in Jakarta for the Jakarta E-Prix. Uh, Formula 2 and Formula 3 will be joining Formula 1 this weekend at the Circuit de Barcelona, Catalunya. We've got those Craftsman trucks, trucks at the Worldwide Technology Raceway in Madison, IL, for wow. the Toyota 200. Uh, the NASCAR Xfinity Series is in Portland for the Pacific Office Automation 147. I, I work in a Pacific office, and so do you. Yeah. And soon the op- they'll the- automate
2: your jobs. <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: Uh, motocross grand prix is in latvia for the moto grand prix of latvia at zelta zergs Mototrasa.
1: is that in riga uh
0: it is in rambat rambatis pagasts
1: i only know one city in latvia and that's because when i used to play sensible soccer back in the 90s (sighs) i would play the latvian league would be where i managed and of the 10 teams in the league eight of them were from rica <laughs> it seemed quite unfair
0: uh indycar as mentioned uh they are doing the, de- de Chev- the chevrolet detroit grand prix and
1: de chevrolet
0: yeah d detroit uh and for the circuit they have just listed franklin street Oh, pretty sure
1: that's we're just gonna meet. It's gonna be like a sort of yeah, like a cannonball run kind of situation. you gotta go to the close to 7 Eleven and back. Uh,
0: the World Rally Cross Championship is in uh, Pista Automovel de Montalegre in Unnamed Road 5470, (laughs) Portugal, for the World Rally Cross of Portugal. I think you, there might be some
1: data discrepancies here. Okay. <laughs> Unnamed Road 54. That doesn't sound Portuguese. No. Okay.
0: Uh, we've also got Supa GT at the Suzuka Circuit, located oh. in Eno, Suzuka hmm. City,
1: Mie Prefecture. I knew that was Mie Prefecture. It comes yeah, up a lot. Sure does. And we got NASCAR. Where are we? Are we in Portland?
0: No, we're in Madison I.L. For oh, the- sorry. Illinois. worldwide technology raceway race at nope that's the location
1: nope it's not the toyota 200 either it's the
0: it's the enjoy illinois 300 oh. presented by
1: ticket smarter is the enjoy spelled like n-o-i-s oh my god see danny's <laughs> how the you are they had a better marketing
0: person than ticket smarter here. people will be like what's in joas <laughs> illinois <laughs> Is this French-Canadian? What's going on? Uh, also, the Isle of Man TT starts oh man. Wow. this weekend. Yes, Man TT. Um, we also have a podcast episode, a Patreon-exclusive episode about uh, Closer to the Edge, yes. which is a fantastic documentary about the Isle of Man TT. Highly and, recommend you go back and, and listen
1: to guy, it. Guy Martin. Isn't that his name? Oh, guy Martin? Yes. Yeah. What, a, what a chip off the old block that guy is.
0: Yeah,
2: incredible character. Yeah, and every incredible. year it That's feels like they're gonna get closer to being like we can't keep letting people just kill themselves this way. I know every year yeah. there was it last year keep... there was two or three. Yeah, it's, it's, it's always about that. It's ugh. well, and like it just like even by the standard of um, like ridiculously dangerous and demanding race courses, like if you're using the Nordschleife as compare as a point of comparison, um, Nordschleife has like. Um, Race direction like, warning lights, like, strung up throughout its length. I, my, I, from what I understand, uh, the Isle of Man TT does not. It doesn't have, like, the, rud- the rudimentary stuff to, like, let people know that, hey, there's, like, something on track up ahead. There, you know, we need to, like, we need to stop the session. So it's, like, it, it's real, like, dark ages of racing stuff uh, going on I think there. they've got hay bales.
1: Yeah. And that's I, about it. And, and I think, like, if you're new to... Uh, racing, like, I think one of the things we try and talk a lot about is, like, the crashes is not what racing is about, and obviously, like, driving close to the edge is obviously part of this to a certain extent, but it it is kind of, it's the worst thing maybe about the TT is that it is almost impossible to talk about without that. Especially because in recent years there's been so many. And I'm, I'm looking at a thing here, was there, was there actually five in 2022 crazy? Last
2: year was real bad. I think there was like a father-son uh, I think it was a, a sidecar, sidecar as well. Home, oh, or geez. yeah, yeah. all right,
0: maybe don't watch
2: it. Yet. Well, no, I mean, like, it's, it's 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 like it's simultaneously an amazing event that's like the last of its kind. But there's a reason it's, it's the last incredible. of its kind. Yeah. And if they don't get on top of this at a certain point, you do have to like, you know, it's very easy to say, well, these people, these people, like everyone doing this knows very well the risks, and that's true. But also at a certain point, are you obliged to let people make horrible, destructive decisions for themselves? Right. Um,
1: 11 people passed away in the 2005 one. The total list looks like, according to Wikipedia, is 266 people since the start, which was back in, you know, 1920s, I think, or something like that. Yeah. Um, so it's yeah, like... it. It is amazing. I think that documentary is actually one of the best ways to appreciate both the history, the racecraft, and also just how incredibly
2: dangerous. Well, the people are talking, the, do you, have the, gnarly accidents. Uh, yeah. You know, it is it is very much one of those things where it's not, there's no plot armor on anybody in that. This like, it is the nature of that race. Um, you know, horrifically dangerous. Yeah. Well, uh, Formula One, also this
0: weekend, um, Friday, June 2nd, things kick off at Free Practice 1, 7.30 a.m. Eastern Time on ESPN2, followed by Free Practice 2 at 11 a.m., also on ESPN2. Uh, Saturday, June third, free practice three at six thirty a.m. Eastern on ESPN two, followed by qualifying at ten a.m. on ESPN. The race, everyone, Sunday, June fourth, at nine a.m. Eastern on ESPN. Also happening, or happened, this week, Danny. Specifically, May thirty-first, sometime in the past.
1: Oh, sorry. Yes. Um. Yes. This from this is the segue. The book book. thank you when Jim Clark missed the Monaco Grand Prix in 1965 he chose instead to compete in the Indy 500 ooh Clark I know right Clark compensated for missing Monaco by storming to victory at the American event in his Lotus Forge beating second placed man Parnelli Jones by two minutes (laughs) whoa (laughs) very different this this is why we have (laughs) homologation rules everyone (laughs) exactly yeah Stock cars, eh? Uh, It was Ford's first victory in the event. Uh, Nigel Mansell finished second three times in the World Championship, but by 1992, there was no stopping him. He won the first five races of the season. and was so very nearly won the sixth at Monaco on this day. After qualifying on pole and leading almost the whole race, he had to make an extra pit stop and emerged behind Ayrton Senna, who fended him off to take the win, despite constant pressure from the Englishman who weaved and bobbed, trying to find a way past the slower McLaren. Murray Walker, commentating, said, I do not see how Mansell, even Nigel Mansell on fresh tires, is going to be able to get by. He couldn't, and Senna took his fifth Monaco win. That's actually one of the more infamous uh, F1 moments in history that has popped up since we started doing this book. That is a fairly well-known defensive battle. Um, Ayrton Senna had lots of interesting monaco races over the years as well
0: well it's probably in the uh f1 tv archives if yeah there are any subscribers out there
1: and and if you're new to f1 and you've not watched it the senna movie is probably the best or one of the best f1 movies got a lot of great monaco in there yes it does terrific terrific movie
0: and a terrific uh podcast that we've done about it over on yes we're (laughs) A lot That's of why we're doing. It.
1: That's why we're doing anime, man. Because we've done a lot of movies on that podcast. Yes.
0: Oh man, I gotta get ready. Gotta rest up for tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, if uh, <clears throat> Oh, I'm sorry. Final thoughts, Danny,
1: for Spain after Monaco. Uh you know what? Hope it rains. I'll Rain? just say it. Hope it rains. Rain was good last week. Hope it rains every week. Bernie sprinklers. Bring them on when it rains. Rob Zachney? Exactly.
2: The more I read it, the more I listen to it, the more. The less sexy the Lewis Hamilton verse on the Christina Aguilera song uh like comes across mm. it is just oh yeah you know i got a wild imagination i like to play the doctor operation spread it on the table like a patient i'm about to show you domination like i look i appreciate a reinterpretation of T.S. the love song of jalford proof rock uh <laughs> as much as the next guy but i do feel that like this this might be a few too many liberties uh taken with it i don't think i don't think the bard would have written something like got the nana dripping like a waterfall um wow okay the podcast
0: is over <laughs> Uh, if you'd like to support the show and get access to all of our bonus episodes and the official Shift F1 Discord, you can do so over at patreon.com shiftf1. Have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next week.
2: Meow.